Mendy here from the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We welcome in a man that at 6'5", 230, is the definition of throw the ball up, I got it. A 12-year NFL vet and producer of six 1,000-yard seasons. This three-time Pro Bowler has 540 grabs of 9,080 receiving yards and 57 touchdowns in his career. He'd average an insane 16.8 yards per catch. A man of military roots, a man of business, a man of straight A's. He basically has me beaten every aspect of life. We are talking to the dude who ended the careers of many quarterback cornerbacks trying to guard him. We're talking to VJAX, Vincent Jackson. What's up, man? What's up, guys? How we doing? Thanks for having me. Hey, man, really appreciate you coming on the show, man. Uh, I know I speak for all of us. We remember watching you just highlights of you with Malcolm Floyd, Antonio Gates, Chris Chambers when you guys roamed those streets in the outfield. Or, uh, don't in the, forget, the football don't field. forget Ladanian. Come on now. No, of course not Ladanian, but y'all, y'all were the, the big pass catchers out there, man. I, I loved watching those Chargers teams. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, it doesn't work. The pass game doesn't work if you don't have a running threat. And we had one of the best in the game, Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? Like that was that really, you know, really started and built my career was the fact that I was able to block for him as well as, you know, utilize that that that, uh, you know, that running threat to give me opportunities to catch the ball. Yeah, man. I mean, you're you were as big bodied, like throw the ball up, you get it. As much as I can remember, man, and just watching highlights of you last night just had me reminiscing on that. Like you were, you used your body so much. You catch with your hands, but your body, you just would just outmuscle everybody. So, it, I mean, one of the best I've seen to do it. And um, I just have to know, what's it like being six five? Because I'm five seven, and so I, I'm just curious. <laughs> well, you know what? The trend started before me. You know, the Randy Mosses of the world. Um, Calvin Johnson was before me. Um, and there were some other, you know, larger receivers that started becoming a trend. So when I was drafted, I mean, it was – I was blessed because of the fact that those guys had come and, and been successful. And so people stopped, you know, trying to – trying to make big guys tight ends, you know, because I was actually solicited that when I was coming through the draft process. Hey, you want to be a tight end? And I'm like, um, No. I want to be a wide receiver. I think I can run fast enough. I think I can, you know, utilize my body. I think I can create separation and I can run good routes. So I said no. And um, I stuck to that because of the fact that I seen, you know, my predecessors, you know, the guys that built the path, I seen them, you know, be successful, you know, at that, at that size, you know, being six, four, six, five, over 200 and, you know, 15 pounds. Like, why not me? Yeah. And I mean, you've been doing it for a long time, way before even the NFL. And that's kind of where I wanted to start because I want to just bring up just going back to the younger Vincent Jackson, the high school Vincent Jackson. And not only did you excel in football and basketball, you also had a 4.1 GPA, I saw. 
which is uh, usually I don't I think you see too many athletes still being able to excel in the classroom as much as you did. And so I would just first kind of ask in, uh, how did you balance the school with the football? And then also, how was your jump shot, man? And, and um, I'm just curious, did you did you have a three point game? And uh, why did you choose football over basketball? You know what? Um I got to be humble about it. You know, I mean, the school, the academics was a no brainer. I mean, that was something that was obviously, you know, having a 4.1, I mean, getting basically straight A's since I was in elementary school was something, you know, my parents, it was, it was just, it was just part of our family, like, you know, discipline. Like it was just something you did. You took care of schoolwork first or you don't get to go sign up and play, you know, recreational basketball. Like you just don't get to do it. So I took care of my business so that I could do what I wanted to do, you know, play with my friends and be out there um, recreationally. Um, but as far as basketball goes, I would say I was a, uh, you know, I was kind of an in-betweener. I was a wingman. Um, it's funny, in high school, I actually played the two guard. Um, oh, man. Yeah, I was actually, you know, being like 6'3", you know, I don't know what I was, probably like at that time, 190 pounds. But, you know, we had a big squad. I mean, we had like, I think, a 6'7 guy, a 6'8 guy, um, you know, multiple guys that were like at least 6'4", 6'5". So, you know, I was a two-guard, you know, and um, we were a good squad. I think all of our starters actually played in college. So, you know, I played two years at Northern Colorado, as well as, you know, balancing the four years of football. I played my sophomore and junior years on the basketball team because of the fact that, to be honest with you, <laughs> a lot of people don't know this, but um, at a Division two school, I was offered a partial scholarship for football. Oh, wow. So, so I wasn't even getting my tuition, my tuition and other things paid. Wow. I, I mean, I had read that um, you'd only gotten for football. It was only one, a couple of scholarships, correct? Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was. A, I mean, there were a bunch of NAI schools and in the Midwest, you know, Division three and stuff. And I was like, look, I think I'm a little bit better than that. I tried to submit to some Division ones, never got any response, no feedback. So I was like, hey, it is what it is. If I'm going to play. One, I want to go to one of the best business schools west of the Mississippi uh, at, at Northern Colorado, which is the Montfort College of Business. Um, and my other option came down to uh, Columbia in New York. Wow. So that was going to be my next question, actually. Um, if you had decided to go to Columbia and maybe not pursue sports and maybe, just, you know, roll with that 4.1 GPA that you had, what would have been your major and what would have been like the path that you, you considered taking? You know what? The decision really came down to the fact that when you go to Ivy League, you don't get financial aid. I mean, you can go right. for, uh, you know, you can, there's some applications you can do to get some support. But, you know, I mean, I come from a, a middle class, you know, working family, you know, two working parents. And I did not want to put them into any debt. You know what I mean? I just right. I, I took that responsibility and said, you know what, I'll go somewhere where at least I can get some support. I'll work when I need to. And I won't put that on them. That makes sense. And I do want to highlight since we were talking about college for a second, you did enroll, end up rolling in the, at Northern Colorado. Go Bears. 
And again, as you mentioned, one of the few schools to offer you a scholarship, you destroyed school records. And even I saw scored a touchdown on your first time you touched the ball on a punt return. Um, did you feel that your time in, in uh, Northern Colorado, you kind of validated why you felt like you should have been at more high D1 schools and kind of when you were kind of getting looked at to get drafted, kind of felt, uh, you know, this was something that I should have been happening, you know, at, at a bigger school, but I'm happy for the opportunity type of thing. Absolutely. I mean, there was a bunch of people telling me I should be transferring. I should be trying to apply to Division Ones, you know, my, my freshman year. Because I, I actually was a true freshman. I did not redshirt. Um, that was that, that, that first punt return. Um, but I only played special teams and a little bit of spot receiver work, you know, my freshman and sophomore years. I didn't become a starter until my junior year at a Division One AA school. So wow. when I got there, when I started my junior year, you know, I basically shattered every school record. You know what I mean? You know, 21 touchdowns over, I think, over 1,400, you know, receiving yards, things like that. So, I mean, I guess I just was waiting for the opportunity to begin that process. Um, but I stayed diligent. You know what I mean? I kept my head down. I focused on my academics and I just said, you know what, when my time comes, you know, because I respected the fact that, you know, it's there were some upperclassmen and it's a smaller school. So you're going to have that old school mindset of like letting those guys finish their careers. And I respected that. So I just said, you know what, I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to just, you know, keep working out, doing my stuff in the gym, doing whatever I need to do on the field, um, go to class. And when my time comes, I, I want to be prepared. Yeah. Where and does that, go ahead, Brian. Where does that where does that faith in yourself come from? Uh, a lot of kids that age they don't they don't have that confidence in themselves to believe that they can make it to the NFL from a smaller school from an D one school. Where was that right. that belief that you would still get there? How did that come about? I guess that 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 hunger and, and that you know that mindset really just comes from. You know, being a small school guy, like my high school was not very good. I think I think my best season in high school was like four and six. So, like, I just – I was never really expecting to have a lot of traffic. You know, I was I was shooting for it. I mean, I was in Colorado, um, probably one of, you know, the top receivers in the state. I didn't get to go to the, you know, the All-State game. But, you know, I still was, you know, still ranked um, – you know, probably in the top 10 in multiple categories. So I had the faith that if I could just get an opportunity, I just wanted to go to a good educational school academically and then, you know, play play some ball. You know what I mean? Um, I really just wanted to play some ball. And so that was, that was my goal. That was my focus. Um, I did not expect to go to the NFL, to be honest with you, until probably – I don't know what it was, maybe the end of my junior year, you know, after mm. I had that explosive season when I became a starter, you know, I started hearing my coaches telling me, hey, you got scouts showing up. They're in the stands. You got NFL scouts in the stands right now. And so I was like, oh, OK, that's unique. You know, I didn't know I didn't know how to handle that. Nobody in my family, nobody I've ever been a part of has ever play professional athletics. So I just didn't know how to take that. 
That's interesting. And I mean, as you said, again, very like valid because you set all those records and that transitioned again to you getting looked at going to the NFL in the draft process. I know you're incredibly smart just from talking, just, I could not read anything about you. And I just, from our conversation, incredibly smart, incredibly athletic, very business savvy. I have to know, I saw you bench pressed the, uh, you did 25 pounds or 23 on the bench press. I have to know right now I can do five. Do I top you in that right now? <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I yes! can top that right now. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. I can probably give you about, I don't know, maybe 12 to 15 right now. Wait, 12 to 15. I said five. <laughs> Oh, I thought you said I could top you at five. Oh, man, you said he could top you. Oh, oh. Man, VJAX, you got me excited. I was like, I'm better than him at one thing. Oh, no, man. no, not, no, no. I, I, don't, I don't drop that bar, bro. I just, you know, it's something that it's a, it's, a, it's a livelihood habit, you know what I mean, to just stay active, you know, try to stay healthy and, and things like that. So, no, I don't, uh, I don't put that bar away, you know, more than a couple days a week. Love it. I love that because I, you see so many athletes like when they're they're done playing that that don't keep up working out and happy to hear. I mean, again, you were very athletic when you played and nice to hear you're, you're still really athletic now. But now that I know you're getting about 15, I have something to shoot for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, God bless it. I mean, don't don't quote me on that. I mean, like I said, 12 to 15 is probably about where I'm at. But end of the day, man, it's about, you know, you know, managing, you know, life now is different. You know, back then I didn't have kids. I got, you know, four now. Um, you know, I got the business. I have the foundation. Um, you know, so it's just, you know, you got to manage, man. Scheduling is everything. I just, I really focus on every week, just planning my week out, you know, to, to take care of the, the priorities. Yeah, you really do. And, uh, I know next, talking to that transition to the league, Eric, I know there was something you wanted to ask. All right, so you were taken in the second round by the Chargers in 2005. And I've looked, and they probably have the most pass catchers over six feet. You were 6'5", Keenan Allen 6'2", Mike Williams 6'4", Malcolm Floyd 6'5", Antonio Gates 6'4", Hunter Henry 6'5", Seiji Ajero 6'3". Does the owner only want tall receivers? I know Dean Spanos is 5'5". Five five. He's my height. Is that a Philip Rivers preference, just coincidence? <laughs> you know what? That's that's interesting, man. I mean, again, they've obviously gone through multiple general managers, right? And so that selection process with the scouts as well as the communication with the ownership is is unique. I don't know. I think they – I think they like big body receivers out there in the AFC West. Um, you know, I, I, I obviously put uh, Namdi Asamoah out of the out of the division. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> I destroyed his career. So um, I think he's a, he's acting now. No, I just I'm just kidding. He's a good dude. He's a really good dude. Um, but uh, you know, just. When you have that that advantage, you know what I mean? And we still had smaller guys. I mean, you just look at the rosters, you know, back in the day. I mean, we had Eric Parkers, Keenan McCardell's. You know, we had some other smaller guys. We drafted a dude out of LSU. I forget his name. Um, you know, when it was like my second or third year. So it's not like they always go that way, but they like to have at least one to two larger candidates. 
That makes sense. I mean, we're in a, an age now where I feel like that everybody's just getting taller. Everybody, you know, the cornerbacks are now like six foot and up, especially on like teams like the Seahawks. And then you have like the Kenny Galladay's and of those guys of the world that are just like, hey, throw it up. Uh, but you, again, I, you were one of the guys, I know they're like the Randy Mosses and, and those guys were exist, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 29 years old and you were, when I started getting into football, VJAX man, uh, number 83 coming for the, especially I'm a Chiefs fan too. So I, I had to watch that consistently. Oh, oh. <laughs> don't, don't hang up on us. We're not, oh. <laughs> don't do it. Um, but I do have to ask though, you call it passes from Mr. Gog, do, God Doggett himself, because he doesn't curse, Mr. Philip Rivers. Yeah. Uh, what, what's it like catching passes from him, man? And just him, oh. you know, overall, everything about him. Dude is, uh, like you said, you know, God honest Christian, right? You're not going <laughs> to hear a, a, a curse word out of his mouth. He's going to talk a lot, but you're not going to hear a curse word. He's just going to keep speaking. And I think he has like nine or ten kids now. Um, I don't know. I, and he's not Mormon. I don't get it. I'm like, dude, stop. <laughs> like, just chill. Just chill, bro. And he doesn't, he doesn't stop. Every time I look online, he has another child. I'm like, God, wow. <laughs> you know? Your wife is a saint mm-hmm. to take, you know what I mean? <laughs> to like to manage that while you're still actively playing. That's crazy. I know people might say that's why he's still playing, because he has to put ten kids through college. No, that's probably right. You're actually right. He's probably thinking about the financial future, but I mean he's put enough away. I mean he's he should be fine. Yeah. But I mean, just a great competitor. I mean, you know, some people liked him, some people didn't. Um I would say that, you know, he's one of the most competitive people I've ever been around. And, um, you know, it's uh, it was unique. It was a unique experience to, uh, you know, I had two for like one year. And I think I got my first pass um, in the Jets stadium. But um, the rest of my career, you know, the next, you know, basically six years was with uh, with Philip And he just, he's a, he's a room, you know, he's a good guy in the locker room. He's a hard-working dude on, you know, you know, the classroom. You obviously see that. You know, what does he have, this van? He has, like, a van. Like, he has a own classroom yeah. and a board in that he travels from L.A., you know, back to his home in San Diego. Like, the dude's a soldier. I mean, he cares about the game. He goes about it the right way. He's one of the most smart football players I've ever been around. So, I mean, it was a blessing to have veterans like him. Keenan McCardell, Eric Parker, um, Billy Volick. Like, I had mm-hmm. some really, really sharp guys around me as a young player that really helped me shape my career. Yeah, for sure. Brad, was there something you wanted to ask? Uh, so, yeah, to set it up, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the, the process of a holdout. Um, you went through a 10-game holdout in 2010, and it's obviously a necessary part of a career. You only get a finite number of snaps, and teams will kind of use you up for as little amount of money as possible. So you have to make sure you're taken care of, but what's the process like? Do you talk to your teammates? Do you talk to the front office or just through your agent? Do you get offended when you hear things that the the front office might be saying about you? What's that like? Um, yeah, that's, that was a unique process. I mean, that was one of the most trying times in my career, to be honest with you. Um, you know, the fact that, they were willing to utilize that 
you know, that expired CBA year against me mm-hmm. was very, very disturbing. You know what I mean? I'm like, look, I don't put in my time. I, you know, I signed a five-year deal and, you know, I should be, I should be a unrestricted free agent. And that didn't right. happen. You know what I mean? When the CBA expired, they had my rights and they could keep me as a restricted free agent. They could pay me the minimum. And I had just come off of like a Pro Bowl year and it was just, it was troubling. And I was like, look, I can't go play for that amount and risk an injury, right? If I get injured, exactly. I'm done. So I, mostly the communication works through my agent and the organization. I didn't spend a lot of time, you know, talking to them. Um, I honestly didn't spend a lot of time talking to, you know, the teammates, you know, Antonio Gates, Phillip Rivers, you know, the other guys. Like, I just I, – I couldn't. You know what I mean? I had to separate myself, and um, and I had to go to Arizona. I went back to the place where I went before I was a rookie, uh, Fisher Sports, where I trained. It's a great institute. Um, and I basically spent those 10 weeks there. And it was – I'm, I'm going to tell you, it was probably the longest 10 weeks of my life. Like, man. Not out there with your brethren and then not knowing if you're ever going to come back and play full time. Um, it was a tough decision for me and my family. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it worked out. You know, my first game back, I think we played uh, the San Francisco 49ers when I had to come back because to get a, uh, a qualified year, you got to play at least six games. So when I came back wow. in that week 11, you know, we played the we played the 49ers. I think I had X amount of catches, you know, 120 plus yards and three touchdowns. So it validated the fact that, you know, my work paid off and that I and, and I could be a viable player in this league and I deserved what I was asking for. And then what did they do? They franchised me the next year. So it's like, right. come on, guys. How are you gonna offer me this? And then you're gonna come back and then, you know, the next year offer me kind of the max contract, right? Like it's just it was it was a very trying time, you know, as a young guy who just was just trying to navigate it. You know, I didn't know the league, and you know, I trusted my agents and my representation. And that ultimately paid off as you signed a five-year, fifty-five point five five million dollar contract. Talk about a lot of fives! You secured the bag with the Tampa Bay Bucks, and in their first year, you had a career high in receiving or in receptions up to that point career high in receiving yards, career high in yards per catch. I mean, you had spent seven years building a rapport with Phillip Rivers, and in your first year with Josh Freeman, you put up record numbers. So how were you successful right away? You were the team captain, too. Don't leave that out. You know what? Uh, I'm just going to credit the offensive coordinator for calling the shots. You know, I mean, he, he called my number multiple times, and Josh threw the ball. So – you know, I mean, I know a lot of people have different opinions about Josh, but, you know, the guy was physically talented. Um, you know, he, he had his issues, but at the end of the day, when you put that ball up, I mean, you know, I can go get it. So, oh, yeah, that was that was really all it was. You know, they, they gave me that amount. I'm pretty sure that the GM and the ownership all the way down was saying he better have at least like, you know, five to ten targets a game. So when that happened, I mean, I just, I capitalized on it, man. I just, 
I was able to eat there. You know, when I was in San Diego, you got Ladanian, you got Antonio Gates, you got Malcolm Floyd, you got all these guys. Like, we didn't really have that type of, you know, we didn't have that type of, uh, you know, occupancy out here in Tampa when I got here. And it's kind of funny because you mentioned eating. And I don't think people realize that you were doing the little eating sign before Zeke was. I saw that on a couple of your catches when I was watching your highlights <laughs> last night. People got to credit you for that one. I don't want to say I was the first. I mean, I obviously probably got it from somewhere, but, you know, that was something that was, you know, that was part of my resume, you know what I mean, when I was in San Diego as well as when I was in, in Tampa. So, you know, you got to eat, you know what I mean? It's just, that's just it. And I don't care if I have three catches for 50 yards or if I have seven catches for, you know, 200 yards. Like, I want to eat. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, just, I'm always going to stay hungry. Like, I'm going to stay hungry. And you had – go ahead, Brad. Is it, is it easier to play next to an elite receiver or be the unquestioned number one target? Because you kind of mentioned the differences between, you know, being in, in San Diego versus Tampa. Yeah, are you referencing uh, playing with Mike? At, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, no, it was great, man. I love it. You know what I mean? Like – Having that balance and, and and taking some of that weight off your shoulders is is very helpful. Like I, I absolutely enjoyed, you know, having Mike as a young guy trying to help groom him. Um, I don't know, just like you know, this just knowing that talent is there, that threat is there, it opens things up for me on the other side of the field. So I I enjoyed it. I don't I didn't I never had an issue with having another, you know, respectable receiver. And you see Tampa's offense, especially as they had Jameis come in and Dirk Cutter, and they support. I mean, they have Godwin and Mike Evans right now. And I think you could have done – I know you had 1,000 yards each your first year, but I think if injuries hadn't kind of caught up at that point, um, I feel like you guys could have done that for a few years together. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I yeah, I got hit. You know what I mean? I got some a couple bad hits. You know what I mean? It was unfortunate. Um uh, you know, just, you know, DBs are DBs. God bless them. But um, <laughs> just, you know, taking some, some dirty shots where I'm, like, going up in the ball for the air and they come in my legs, you know, from behind me. Like, it was just it, – it was almost identical my last two years when I had to go on IR. Um, the way the hits looked, you know what I mean? I was literally, like, be out, you know, for an out route or something and have my back to somebody. Instead of just, like, blowing me up in the back, which they could have done, you know what I mean? You know, make a nice highlight film hit. They go low. They go low at, at my knees. But fortunately, you know, I never had a major surgery. I never had, you know, an ACL or, you know, MCL. Like, I just – that didn't happen. I would have missed a bunch of time. So the team has to make decisions. And at, at those times, you know, we were dealing with other injuries on the team. So they got to make roster, you know, spots, right? The NFL has changed – the roster amount. So they have to say, look, if you're going to miss four to five weeks, then we, we got to put you on IR. And this is before this whole transition has come in where, you know, guys can come back. Right. right. Uh, different time than kind of in a sense of, I think they've been more player friendly with how the, the IR works. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like teams are a little bit more open and honest about these things and, and putting that stuff out there. So it's kind of unfortunate that it wasn't quite that way when you played. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, that's that's the growth of the league. You know? 
growth of the NFLPA and, um, you know, their, their relationship with the NFL. Um, you know, the owners got to be on board, you know, the, the coaches, the administrations, like everybody's got to be on the same page to make these type of changes. And they're very tough. I was, I was a league representative on the union for the Bucks for, I think two years, maybe three years. And, um, you know, going to these meetings and going to, you know, going through three day meetings, you know what I mean? Long. I mean, sometimes these things are like 12 hours. Like we're trying to go through the meat of this stuff. It's, it's very heavy lifting for, you yeah. know, raising the precedence for guys that played in the seventies and guys that are going to play in 2000 and, you know, 25. Like we got to think about all of that. You know, we're not just selfish thinking about our own year. We were going through decisions that actually, you know, helped us as well as helped people in the past and in the future. That makes sense. We, um, we talked about, we talked about your holdout um, and you were a part of the, the lockout dispute. You're, you're very uh, player centric focused on making sure that these guys that are, you know, putting their bodies on the line are getting what they are deserved. I'm curious if there's any advice that you'd give to the new crop of players as to how to treat their finances in the league? Um, you know, the best advice I would give is just, you know, have good, have good people around you. You know what I mean? You're a young man. You know what I mean? Coming to something you've probably never been a part of. You know, you don't want to always rely on family members or other people trying to give you advice. I mean, that's where I see a lot of guys getting in trouble. So you got to be careful. Um, just surround yourself, try to get good representation, have a good agent, have a good financial advisor and, you know, just, you know, be, be humble, you know what I mean? Until you're educated, because that's what I did. Like I just, I was very, very, you know, I'm a ca- I'm still to this day, I'm a cautious investor. You know what I mean? And um, what I did was my first couple years, just talk to guys in the locker room, you know, veterans, guys are older than me and ask them, you know, what were you doing for passive income? You know, what do you do, mm-hmm. you know, for, for, for external, you know, investments. And then what mm-hmm. I did in my off seasons, I would go and find, um, you know, like private folks, like attorneys, you know, other people in different industries that they had nothing to do. They never played a, maybe a, a lick, <laughs> never played a down in their life, but I would go get around them because I was, you know, when you have, when you play in the NFL, you got to maximize that platform, mm-hmm. right? You get invited to these galas, these golf tournaments, these other things philanthropically, and you get to be around professionals that want to be around, you know, professional athletes. And so you just, you got to utilize that. So I would take business cards. I would just like ask them for time, you know, to just come sit in their office and just shadow them. You know what I mean? Be a fly on the wall. And that really helped me build my acumen as far as, you know, what I wanted to do. Cause I didn't know as a young man, you know, really what I wanted to do with my business degree. I just, you know, I, I just had to shadow for a little bit and it was about my third year that I finally got comfortable enough to be educated after spending the time, investing the time to maybe start making some very, very cautious investments. Yeah. So I tell these young guys, 
invest your time. You got to do it. I'm sorry. You got to do it. You got to go out there. You got to be around other professionals and other industries. You're going to play football for X amount of years. You're not going to do it forever. And you're going to have to end up, you know, doing another industry for the rest of your life. So that's that's really what I would leave it with. Yeah. And, and speaking of education, you know, in 2016, you decided to get your business management degree from South Florida. You know, I don't think you needed the degree because you sounds like you're very educated on your own. But what what made you want to get that and what did you intend to use it for? You know, to be honest with you, I mean, it was kind of like a little dark cloud on my shoulder. Um, when I when I graduated high school with a 4.1 GPA and academics was everything, you know, both, you know, for the most of my life. And then I don't get my degree. You know, I get to Tampa, I start my foundation, I start, you know, you know, just hitting the hammer on like, hey, education, education, education. I felt like a hypocrite, you know, so it just it was something that was just sitting there. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to get this done. And I only had about, I don't know, maybe 15, 16 credits left. So, you know, I was blessed. As soon as I got to Tampa, I was like, I got to I got to find a place to get this done because it it was unfortunate. The fact that when I went to San Diego and left northern Colorado, those upper level business management classes, they did not offer um, it's a small enough school that they did not offer, you know, extended education. So I took a few ancillary classes online, you know what I mean, remotely um, while I was preparing for the draft. But then they said, look, we can't do it anymore. You got to come back to Greeley, Colorado. And I'm like, I can't do that. I'm starting my career. You know what I mean? I'm a rookie at San Diego Chargers. Like, no, like it's it's a full year round drop. Like, I'm not I'm not coming back. So I had to put it on the shelf for basically like what? God bless it. Almost 10 years, you know? Wow. I So, Vincent, you mentioned about your foundation and I just want to highlight that for a second. I know both your parents served, as we kind of uh, talked in the beginning, both your, your parents were in the armed forces and you launched the Jackson in Action 83 Foundation mm-hmm. in November of 2012. I was wondering, would you be able to talk about uh, what the foundation is? Because I think the message is incredible. Yeah, so, um, yeah, the foundation was, uh, man, near and dear to my heart. Um I mean, I, I grew up with philanthropy, um, you know, you know, my dad got me probably around, God bless it, around the age of like six or seven, you know, doing a lot of stuff, you know, highway cleanups, going to Salvation Army, um, Boys and Girls Clubs, like, like, it was something that's been a part of my lifestyle my entire, you know, just growing up. And, you know, I did a lot when I was with the Chargers. I did, you know, I did as much as I could. You have that platform. I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm just a philanthropic guy. Like, I want to give back to my community wherever I live. But I did, I wasn't ready to start a foundation. A foundation is a business, okay? So you got to understand that you better have the right game plan. You better do things right. I mean, it's tax-wise, other things. Like, you, you just got to have the right team. And I didn't have that in San Diego. And one, I wasn't prepared to do it, you know? I was just still trying to build my career. I was not ready to start that foundation. So when I got to Tampa, I felt established. 
Uh, McDill Air Force Base here in Tampa is one of the most impactful bases in the entire country, right? So, I mean, this was basically the headquarters, SOCOM and CENTCOM, basically the headquarters for everything that happened through the lot, you know, like the 12 years or so uh, for the Middle East War. Wow. I knew right away, you know, when I first got to Tampa, I was like, you know what? This is probably a good time. Let me assemble the team. You know, I feel mature enough, educated enough business-wise. I think I can manage this. It's time to go. I want to support these military families, these military kids, and I was ready. So it was just the right timing, man. And, and again, God bless, you know, my parents who, you know, gave me so much experience through, you know, the travel, you know, the deployments, uh, living overseas for three years in, in Germany. Um, it really changed my life and really, you know, structured me as a young man. I mean, the message again is great. When I read it last night, it was just incredible that you uh, provide support to the military families, focus on education and emotional and physical health. Awesome. Um, we are talking with the three-time Pro Bowler, Vincent Jackson, VJax. I want to be respectful of your time, so I just want to wrap up with one last question, if that's cool with you. Sure, fire away. All right, so we like to do a little bit of a fun, uh, rapid-fire, uh, quick little part to end the interview. Some questions you may have never heard before. So uh, are you game? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's okay. hesitant. Yeah, I'm game. Right. Let's go. All right. I probably haven't heard some of these questions. They're they're interesting. All right. So number one, catch a touchdown or score a touchdown like deal in the business world. Business world. All right. Number two, Pop Tarts or Toaster Strudels? Oh. Pop Tarts. Come on. I like it, my man. Good answer. Uh did Des catch it? Did who? Did Des Bryant catch it? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, you, you heard it from him. You didn't catch it. All right. You're, would you rather have your clothes be two sizes too big or one size too small? <laughs> um, man, are you talking uh, tops or bottoms? It's got to be. It's a whole outfit. Yeesh. I don't want to look like I'm, I'm living in 1994. <laughs> too big. Like, I guess I have to go with one time too small and just try to just try to stretch it out. And you can show <laughs> off all the gains at the gym too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I got a couple more. Would you rather look ten years older from the neck down or the neck up? Um, ten years older, neck down. I would say. Probably neck up because I can I can dress up. Okay, so. that's fair. Would you rather have one wish granted today or three wishes granted in ten years? Uh, three wishes in ten years for sure. Patient man, I like that. Run as fast as a cheetah or fly one mile an hour. Fly. Okay, my man's gonna hover. Last three. Eat the same meal for the rest of your life or never use Instagram ever again. 
Oh, my Lanta. You guys. <laughs> you guys are a great poll here. Um, I probably have to say that I would choose to. Uh, oh, man. I don't know. I, I I can't eat the same meal for forever. So I, I I'm a cook. You know what I mean. I I, I you know obviously have some involvement with hospitality and restaurants, and I I was a cook myself. So you know I I'll, I'll find a way to make more food, and I'll take I'll take Instagram. All right, it was a tough one though. I it was interesting. All right, um, last two fight: one hundred duck sized horses or one horse sized duck. Say that again. Fight 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? Uh, just give me one duck. I'm good. You got. I feel like you got a mean right hook. Yeah, just give me one duck. I got him. You know what I mean? You know, he <laughs> he ain't going to be quick enough. He, you know, going to be off balance. I'm going to get on his back, and it's a wrap. Oh, that's, yeah. that's the most confident answer we've heard. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Like, I mean, I watch UFC. I'm a UFC fan, so I'm gonna I'm try to choke him out. I'm gonna get on the back, and <laughs> it's a wrap. No, I love that. All right, let's then the last one. Then eat an entire stick of butter, or send an embarrassing email to everyone in your contacts. I'll send the email. I'm not eating butter like that, man. That sounds that sounds crazy. That's uh, that just makes me. That makes my stomach twirl right now. Just thinking about that. That's uh, I don't even know if I could get it down. No, I, I I think it's the right answer. Honestly, just take just take the L with the E. Yeah, I'll take the L. My friends, I mean, God bless them. If you love me, you love me. If you don't, you don't. And you know, I just I'll be honest and transparent. I'll send something embarrassing, and you know that I've done in the past, and that's it. You know, they they laugh about it, and then you know, we're still friends. Love that. VJAX, man, um, we really can't thank you enough for giving us your time coming on our show. Uh, before we, we get out of here, is there anything you would like to promote that you're doing or, or do you want to tell our audience that we can promote as well? Um, no, I mean, obviously, I just I mean, I could share just the, the, the foundation side is jacksoninaction.org or sorry, jacksoninaction83.org. Um, you know, again, we support military families, really focusing on the spouses, the children. You know, I was a military brat. Um, so, I mean, any support there would be great. Um, it's a unique year with COVID. Obviously, um, go out and vote. I hope everybody's voting today or have voted in the past. And um, that's it, man. I don't, I, I appreciate the time. I appreciate you guys giving me the consideration. <laughs> No, man. Uh, loved watching you play. And, and man, I, I feel smarter even just talking with you, just the business savvy you have. Um, again, truly, uh, I just feel like a, a better person just talking with you, man. So um, really appreciate everything that you did for us. And um, if you want to make sure you follow this man, because he's a great follow, Vincent Jackson underscore 83 on Instagram. And he's Vincent T. Jackson on Twitter. Can't thank you enough, man. Thanks again for your time. Thank you guys again. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, God bless. You know what I mean? Let's, uh, let's try to get through this as a country, as a globe, uh, you know, with this pandemic and, um, you know, get through this election. We're going to see that it's going to take some time, but, uh, you know, we'll get through it and we just keep doing positive things, man. The best thing we can do is try to 
you know, impact our communities, you know what I mean? And be positive, be positive, you know, factors. And I see what you guys are doing, you know what I mean? Like trying to share positive insight, you know what I mean? Nationally. And that's, um, that's inspiring. Thank, Thank you so, you so much, Vincent. Appreciate that. Um, Vincent, we're going to cut this part out um, just right before we end this. So don't have, we're not going to keep this part, but I just again, really wanted to highlight before you go that just really appreciate you giving us your time. And, um, you know, we've we've interviewed probably 20 something football players, but I think this is my favorite interview we've done. Just the, everything that you brought with to us and everything. Just can't thank you enough. No, man. Thank you, guys.